Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8 and 24 through 37. As he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting upon the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he. And they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is the beginning of the birth pangs. But in those days, after the suffering, the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see the things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away and my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge. Each with his work. And commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn. Or else he might find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to all of you is this, keep awake. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, today we conclude our Lenten sermon series on revolution. Today we're going to conclude talking about the ways that we change as people who have decided to follow Christ. And today's sermon is one of those where I wrestled with how to put it, because it would have fit very well at the beginning of the service, 
and it would have felt fit very well at the last part of this sermon series. But ultimately, I decided to place it here to conclude the series, to wrap everything up. And today we're going to talk about how following Christ moves us from stability to transformation. If we think about following Christ, if we look at it scripturally, it is always a journey. When Jesus came to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee and He said, follow me. They followed not just what He said and what He taught, but they followed Him physically throughout the lands as His ministry spread. When the young rich ruler came to Him and said, Lord, teach me what is to be holy, and Jesus told him to go sell everything He had, give the money to His poor, and follow Him, the man went away sad. We see that it's a journey, one of transformation, one of change, one where we become fundamentally different people. Paul wrote that in Christ we are all a new creation. There is no male or female, there is no Greek or Gentile, there is no slave or free, for we are a new creation in Christ. And let's not remember Christ's habit of giving people new names. Saul became Paul. Simon became Peter. This shows that they became new people. I've told you before that I'm not really of the mindset that when we come to Christ that we are born again and and with that theology because I feel that we were saved when Christ died on the cross for us in 33 AD. That it's not a moment we choose but one where God chooses for us. But that doesn't mean that when we decide to follow Christ, when we make that conscious decision, that we shouldn't change. And so we're changed from stability to transformation. We're changed from being the static person to being one that's constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly following Christ and seeking what that means. In my contract and in all Presbyterian pastors' contract, there is two weeks for continuing education. Two weeks when we should go and further our education, further our studies, so we can constantly be evolving, constantly seeking to follow Christ better. If you decide that you know everything about God and everything about Christ and don't need to study or pray anymore, then your faith has become dead. Our faith should be constantly evolving, constantly seeking to be better, to be stronger. When we follow Christ, we are fundamentally changed. Last week, I talked about one of the the great uh, theologians of the 20th century. And this week, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite contemporary uh, theologians, Jurgen Moltmann. At the end of World War II, Moltmann found himself as a prisoner of war. He was a reluctant German soldier, enlisted because he didn't know what else to do, but not really wanting to follow through with it. And he was captured and put into prisoner of war. And as the war wrapped up, one day he and his prisoners came back to the hut where they're living in and were confronted with pictures and photographs from Auschwitz, and from other concentration camps. 
And he fell into a deep depression as his guilt and his shame and his sorrow of the atrocities that he helped commit sank upon him. And he realized what he had been a part of. And it's there in the depths that God found him. It's there in the depths that he turned to Christ. A camp chaplain came and left the Bible with him. And he started first with the Psalms and then with the Gospels. And his faith grew. And Moltmann became one of the preeminent theologians and teachers of the 20th century. And he's still teaching today. But it started in that deep place. And he was completely transformed. Friends, when we follow Christ, we are not called to be the same. We are called to become new creations. We are called to fundamentally change ourselves. And that's what we've been talking about the past five weeks. We've talked about changing from receiving to giving. Changing from seeking strength to seeking to serve others. Seeking power to seeking justice. From seeking costly or cheap love to seeking costly love. But following Christ means more than a personal decision and more than a personal change. In our reading from the Gospel of Mark today, Jesus and the disciples sit across the temple and the temple was a beautiful, magnificent structure. It rivaled anything in Jerusalem. It was magnificent and huge. It was the size of some small towns. And they marveled at the architecture and the beauty. And Jesus said, one day it's all going to be torn down. One day not one stone will stand upon another. And Jesus began to foretell the end times. That there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines. There will be death. There will be destruction. Elsewhere, Scripture tells us that there will be a new earth and a new Jerusalem. That the kingdom of God will come here on earth. And Jesus tells us to be watchful. To be aware. If you go back to the, uh, the original Greek, a good way to, to translate this is to be diligent. And how should we be diligent? How, what should we be doing? We should be seeking to transform the world. We should be moving from stability to transportation. We should be seeking to further the kingdom of God here on earth. What is it we pray every week in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And those aren't empty words. Those are words we should be acting out, we should be living out. We should be seeking to complete Christ's work here on earth. When Christ is foretelling the end times, he says, imagine it's like a land and you, the landowner, go away, but you leave people to continue doing your work. We are those people. We have been left behind to continue doing the work of Christ. 
to make this world a better place, to transform it for the better. We cannot be content to stand still. We cannot be content to be stable. And it's going to be dangerous. Jesus predicts earthquakes, famine, the pangs of birth pains. Basically not good stuff. And he's warning of the dangers that awaits us. Of the discomfort. Of the trials and the tribulations. That when we seek to transform both as people and as a society, we are going to face roadblocks, we're going to face bumps, we're going to face obstacles. But as people of faith, we must persevere. As people of faith, we must continue. John Newton wrote one of the most famous uh, hymns, Amazing Grace. It's one that almost all of us know. And a few of us know John Newton's story. He started as a slave ship captain. And he transported slaves from Africa to the States. And journey after journey he made. Until one day Christ appeared to him and revealed the damage he was doing. Revealed that he was hurting his brothers and sisters. Hurting those created in the image of God. And John Newton was devastated. And he thought about ending his life. Being a ship captain was all he knew. But instead he turned to God. And he became a priest. And he wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He saw the depth of his depravity, and when he decided to follow Christ, he was changed fundamentally. He was transformed. He still carried the voices and the ghost of all those enslaved, of all those people who took passage on his ship. For all of his life. But he saw a better way. So how do we go about transforming the world? We're only 50 or so people. We're only one person when you boil down to it. But one person can make an impact. One person can make a difference. I was reading an article yesterday about the upcoming NFL draft and about San Francisco's quarterback Colin Kaepernick and how Cleveland might trade for him or Denver might trade for him and how if Cleveland trades for him, how this will shake up the entire draft order. And they referred to the butterfly effect where one small butterfly's wings, ripples, changes things in ways that we can't even imagine. And we can do that. And we do that by carrying the light of Christ. We do that by seeking to receive or to give instead of receive. We move to transformation by seeking uh, service instead of strength. By seeking justice instead of power. By seeking costly love instead of cheap love. 
By carrying the good news of Christ out into the world. By sharing God's love, God's mercy, God's justice, and God's grace. We change the world by changing ourselves first. To quote the great theologian Michael Jackson, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. We need to start with ourselves. And as we change, people around us will change. People will notice a difference. And they will slowly change as well. When I lived in Illinois, there was a woman who sent me email after email after email, forward after forward, most of a political nature, most which I didn't agree with. And it drove me crazy. One time she sent me a particularly anti-Muslim email. She talked about how afraid we should be of all Muslims, about how they're going to destroy us. And the last sentence of this email is the only thing I really remember from any of her emails. And she wrote, the scary thing is, for them, their faith is not just a religion. It's a way of life. And I thought, yeah. Shouldn't that be the point? Have I failed you as a pastor that your Christianity is just a religion and not a way of life? Any person of faith should not subscribe to just a religion, but if they truly believe it, if they truly have faith in it, it should be a way of life. And that's a way of transformation. A way of being changed. A way of following God's call in our life. And when we do that, we truly can change the world. Amen.